Do you want to learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and grow your business from successful entrepreneurs, startups, and CEOs without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresham Harkness values your time and is ready to share with you precisely the information you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast, and I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Paige Arnoffin of Mavens and Moguls. What I wanted to do was just read a little bit more about Paige so you can hear about all the awesome things that she's doing. And Paige is the founder and CEO of global marketing and branding firm Mavens and Moguls, located and based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Her clients include Microsoft, Virgin, Colgate, the New York Times Company, venture-backed startups, as well as nonprofit organizations. She graduated from Stanford University and Harvard Business School. She is a popular speaker and columnist who has written for Entrepreneur and Forbes. Paige, are you ready to speak to the IMCEO community? Absolutely. If you can talk a little bit more about your background and what led you to start your business. So it's kind of a a circuitous path. When I was a student in college and grad school, all I knew is I wanted to go into business and be successful. And I really thought I would join a very established company. I had always had good internships. As a student, I joined a big Wall Street firm out of college. I realized I didn't want to stay in finance, but then I got another internship. Procter & Gamble, which is a big marketing company when I was in grad school. And then I went back to P&G after I graduated with my MBA. And I always thought I would work for a big multinational corporation. And when I thought about my career path, I really saw myself as like a Meg Whitman or Ursula Burns, like a top woman CEO of a big global company. And if you would talk to any of my friends or classmates they would have confirmed that was the path I thought I was on. And the internet kind of exploded. It started in really, in my world, it really started in the 90s. And at that point, I had kind of started my career path in these big Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble. I worked for the Olympics. So really big, big brands, well-known companies and organizations when the internet started heating up, I got very distracted and intrigued by what was happening online. And I left my big corporate job at Coca-Cola to go join a startup no one had ever heard of before in Los Angeles. And I think most of my friends and family thought I was crazy or having a midlife crisis. And they all suggested I take a vacation. I was really stressed out. And I said, no, I just think there's something going on on the internet. and I want to be part of it. So I, I left my big fancy job with an office and a secretary in the corporate headquarters of Coke in Atlanta. And I joined this internet startup in Los Angeles, a couple blocks from the beach. And no one had ever heard the name of the company They were just really starting to grow. I had just bare bones staff at that point. And I just got hooked. It was so exciting to build a brand from the ground floor and help establish something that no one had ever heard of before after working on such well-known big brands. It was just such an awesome challenge to build a small brand into something more famous And we were pretty successful. We went public a few years later. We were sold to Yahoo. Then my husband got a job in Boston and we moved back to the East Coast. We had both been students on the East Coast 
earlier in our lives and we moved back and I joined another startup as the head of marketing. We got sold to a big private company about a year and a half later. I did another startup as the head of marketing and we also went public and were sold to a big public company. So I really got kind of hooked and addicted after having this first chapter of my life in big corporate jobs. The second chapter was just all internet startups that were very small, not very well known, and helping them come to life. And that just, it made me so excited. Every day I bounced out of bed, you really felt like you were creating the next global brand and impacting how people were going to think of this forever. But when 9-11 hit, it hit right about the time I got bought out of the third startup. That really changed everything. 9-11 probably did more to unsettle marketing than anything else that had in my career. Because, you know, companies really went into panic mode. Everyone wanted to conserve their cash because there was so much uncertainty post 9-11. So companies really kind of started to shut down their marketing efforts. And I had just gotten bought out of the third company. So I didn't have to find a job, but I, you know, I was young. I was in my early, you know, 30s. I really wanted to keep working and I wanted to do something else exciting because I, then I was kind of addicted. I was a little bit of a you know, and now I've been on a roll. I, I got three for three. And basically, post 9-11, because all three of those startups were venture-backed and had a lot of private equity money in them, I knew a lot of people on both coasts, both in Los Angeles and Boston, having been the head of marketing. And people started calling me and emailing saying, we need help with marketing, even though we're closing our marketing department, we still have projects, will you help me? And I kept thinking, why are all these people calling me? Like, I'm not a consultant. I never worked on the agency side. I'm not very good at PowerPoint. And I think of consultants giving you PowerPoint slides. I'm the client. I'm the one that rolls up my sleeves and does the work. And everybody said, yeah, that's why we're calling you. We need help. But we can't hire anybody because we've got a hiring freeze after 9-11. Can you just come in and help the way you did with our other investment? So I started calling all my favorite marketing people from earlier in my career, people I'd worked with in the corporate side and the startup businesses. Everybody had been laid off after 9-11 because like I said, all the marketing departments were being shut down. All the cash was being conserved. And everybody, all my favorite marketing people were available. So I had people that wanted to work. I had projects that needed help. And I just started putting them together. And I called the women the marketing mavens and the guys the marketing moguls. For short, I call them mavens and moguls. And it really stuck. You know, I ended up testing the name. It came back as a, a winner. We had these first projects that were kind of out there. We did a great job. And then they came back for more work. But I joke, I'm like the accidental entrepreneur. I was not looking to start a company. I never wrote a business plan. I threw together a website with a buddy of mine from college who wanted to learn how to program and wrote every bit of copy that you found on the site. It stayed for about five years. So I joke, I'm like the cobbler's kid with no shoes. I'm the marketing company. It didn't do a very good job of marketing ourselves. It was a pretty uh, generic website. I think now we're on 3.0. So it's getting better, but it's still a work in progress. But basically, it, you know, I think I'm as surprised as anybody. So I started this company now. It's been almost 17 years. And my longest job before this was three and a half years. So, you know, I've now worked for myself, I don't know, five times longer than I ever lasted working for anyone else. 
Mm-hmm. I keep joking. If, if I get sick of my boss this time, I'm dead because I don't think I can go back and work for anybody again. Right. No, that makes sense. And it's great to hear that story. Obviously, it's tough to hear about 9-11 and everything, but you never hear about like how it affects other aspects and especially from the marketing standpoint. So what I wanted to do was ask you if you could drill a little bit deeper on Mavens and Mobiles and tell us a little bit more about like how you help serve and, and support the clients that you work with. And then also to like what you feel kind of makes you a little bit more unique. I always feel like our competitive advantage or maybe our unique hook is that most of the people in the group are people like me. They're people that were on my team or people I worked with in previous lives. So our our heads and hearts are much more aligned with our clients than a traditional agency or consulting relationship. We don't do capabilities presentations on PowerPoint to try and sell our business. I'm not trying to cross-sell or upsell the way an agency typically does. We want to go in, be your thinking partner, roll up our sleeves, help fix the problem, and then move on. And most of the people in my group are like me. They, you know, they love helping, you know, solve problems. They like learning new things constantly, fixing, you know, taking best practices from one industry or category and bringing it into another area where they can solve a problem. You know, they may say, I've got this much of a budget. What can you do to help me? And we're not just trying to spend every nickel of the budget. I I look at their problems and say, well, here's your biggest problem and it's going to cost this much to fix that. And then with the money you have left over, I would put it into this other work that you didn't even ask for. But I think that's going to be your next biggest problem. And so they think that we're looking at the problem the way they are as the client, not as a vendor trying to get as much mm-hmm. work as we can out of them. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's like you're the, uh, make sure the doctor, you're, getting, you're giving what you need to be able to be successful or to make sure that you're a healthy business, a healthy and thriving business or organization. So it makes perfect sense. So now I wanted to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. And this CEO hack might be a app or a book, but it's something that you lean on or, or use that makes you more effective and efficient as a business owner. I think that the, The biggest hack for me is probably on the talent front that you always want your A-team and you've got to keep your skills really top-notch. Sometimes it's easy as a CEO to bring in people that you like or people that think like you or tell you what you want to hear, but that's not necessarily what's the best for your business and for you to grow and expand. So that I think is one hack that is uncomfortable, but I think it's necessary. Now I want to ask you for what I call a CEO nugget. And this might just be a word of wisdom or a piece of advice or something you would tell your younger business self. I think really a couple of things. You've got to stay focused. I think it's really easy to get distracted by the shiny objects and all the new things that are being thrown your way. You've got to stay focused and play to your, your personal strengths. The other thing is, I think a lot of success is learning when to say no, and it ties into the focus. I think some of the most successful people know what they're good at. They know what their strengths are. They know what their mission, vision, values are, and you stay on strategy. And if things don't kind of sync up with where you are trying to go, let somebody else take care of it. Delegate it let it go, say no, and stay focused. You don't have to do everything, but the things you do do really, really well. 
that's how you build a great personal brand and a great reputation. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And next thing is I wanted to ask you, which is my favorite question, which is kind of like the definition of being a CEO. And um, I know we have different CEOs on this podcast, but I wanted to ask you, what does being a CEO mean to you? For me, it's about that, you know, you are the leader, you are the chief visionary, you are also the chief cook and bottle washer. You, there are no hats that you probably haven't worn on your way to that job. You have to inspire, motivate, stay focused, keep the trains moving. There are so many roles and responsibilities of being that that chief executive. And I think somebody said this on one of your blog postings. It's like the chief everything officer. Mm-hmm. A lot of things really fall on you as the leader. You know, the leader is both kind of at the forefront, but also in the back to make sure everybody's moving along the continuum. So for me, I guess, as CEO, I want to create the right environment, the right ecosystem for everybody to really achieve their their personal best, to have a situation where we can solve important problems that people are really motivated and excited to come in every day and bring their very best selves with them and their whole selves with them, that they don't feel like they have to put on an act to be part of the show that they really are being appreciated and recognized for their own personal strengths. And I think that does fall on the CEO. It starts at the top. They set the tone. They set the culture. And, you know, it's on them to create the right environment for everybody to be successful. Very well said. No, I appreciate that. Well, Paige, I I thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule. I wanted to ask if there was anything additional you want to let our readers and our listeners know and then how people can get a hold of you. So, you know, what I would say to anyone that's listening, feel free to go to my website. It's mavensandmoguls.com, all spelled out, M-A-V-E-N-S-A-N-D-M-O-G-U-L-S. I have a lot of articles on the website, articles I've written that some of them are kind of evergreen topics that I think are relevant to a lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs and people building their careers, people who are stuck in their careers. And I talk about kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And if you just scan through the article headlines, you should probably be able to stumble upon a few where it might be relevant and help you out of a situation. I don't think any of us live long enough to make all the mistakes ourselves. So you can mm-hmm. learn from many of mine. I am happy to help because I've got all the war wounds to prove it. And just, you know, I would tell people that find stuff that you really genuinely enjoy doing. Because if you do, you'll probably be really good at it. Don't try and force fit into something that's not working for you, go find something that you're really genuinely excited about, because that's really what where you, you will shine. That's the way it's worked in my experience. Very, very true. Well, Paige, I appreciate you so much. And I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun, Gresh. I really appreciate you uh, having me on. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I Am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. 
be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. Grab CEO Gear at www.ceogear.co. This has been the I Am CEO Podcast with Gresham Harkless. Thank you for listening.